Hello, hello everyone. Hi, I'm glad you're here. This is Tea and Gemstones, your podcast home for talking about anything and everything to do with jewelry, gemstones, and precious metals. We talk history, fashion, science, and culture, diving into all the little details because I believe that's where a lot of the beauty and the joy is. Oh, I should introduce me. I am your host, Jennifer, a lifelong sparkle enthusiast who really enjoys digging up all those details for you. I love to take you along on these auditory outings. I hope you have fun. I hope you learn. I hope this is an enjoyable escape from everyday life for you. So let's hang out for a little bit. Today, I want to talk about a gemstone that combines the deepest, richest blue hue with silver, gold, and white, all in one luscious stone. It's one of my personal favorite gemstones with a name that is just fun to say, Lapis Lazuli. To me, it sounds like the name of an exotic princess, but this fun-sounding moniker breaks down like so. Lapis is the Latin word for stone, and lazuli is derived from the Persian word lazward, which means blue sky, or sometimes it's translated as heaven. So lapis lazuli is the blue stone of the sky, or stone of the heavens, which is romantic and lovely, in my personal opinion. Lots of times lapis lazuli is just referred to as lapis because while the name is a nice alliteration, it's also a mouthful. Lapis is one of the oldest gemstones. I mean, all gemstones are pretty old, being made millions of years ago and all. But in terms of human discovery, lapis lazuli is one of the OGs. In the Bible, there are many references to sapphire. However, that's a gemstone that was actually unknown in that part of the world at that time. So scholars really think the writers are referring to lapis. As early as the 7th millennium BC, lapis was being mined in northeast Afghanistan. Afghanistan has always been far and away the biggest producer of lapis, though small amounts have been found in Russia, Chile, Pakistan, and a few other places. But the specimens from Afghanistan are renowned for their beautiful deep color and high quality. Now, lapis is considered an opaque gemstone. Side note, there are three categories of gemstone clarity or opacity. They're transparent, translucent and opaque clear stones you can easily see through or more specifically that light can shine through are like diamond topaz or amethyst those are transparent the middle category is called translucent and that means you can sort of see through it but it's cloudy and sort of foggy Examples of translucent are like rose quartz and moonstone. Then the opaque category, stones that you cannot see through at all. These are stones like onyx, turquoise, and lovely lapis lazuli. Lapis has been beloved for over 6,500 years, ever since it was first discovered forming amongst limestone and marble. And it's not hard to see why. Lapis's color is extraordinary. Think about it. 
true blue colors don't occur very commonly in nature, and Lapis's mineral combination of deep blue lazurite, cloudy white calcite, and sparkling pyrite lends the stone its celestial deep blue hue scattered with silver and gold. It's like a night sky full of stars captured and frozen in a stone you can hold in your hand. It has been established in previous podcast episodes how much I adore shape psychology, but I think color psychology is equally cool. And I think color psychology has also played a factor in lapis being so adored. Blue is frequently given as the answer to the question, what's your favorite color? It makes you feel peaceful, tranquil. Picture a wide blue ocean or an open blue sky over mountains or a meadow. Blue also hearkens to loyalty and strength. Those are great qualities to elicit from a gemstone. While colors like orange or lime green can be more polarizing, blue is pretty universally liked. And everyone did like lapis. We know this because the ancient cultures used lapis to craft ornaments and objects they valued the most, meaning they were buried with their lapis items to take with them to the eternal afterlife. The most famous example of this is King Tut's solid gold death mask. It's one of the most iconic pieces of art in the world, and this 22-pound gold masterpiece is inlaid with lapis lazuli around the eyes and eyebrows. Ancient Egyptians actually believed their sun god Ra had a body made of yellow gold and lapis. The lapis around King Tut's mask's eyes wasn't just an artistic choice. The ancient Egyptians believed lapis could ward off evil from coming into their soul through their eyes. They would crush lapis into a powder and wear it around their eyes. Queen Cleopatra famously always wore vivid blue lapis eyeshadow. So the lapis eye decoration on the mask was to give King Tut the protection of the blue gemstone for all eternity. While the ancient Egyptians believed crushed lapis lazuli could protect their soul, there's another nice quality to come from turning lapis stones into powder. It becomes a gorgeous pigment to make paint. Our first known use of lapis as a paint is on 6th and 7th century AD cave paintings in Afghanistan, which makes perfect sense because that's where lapis is found in abundance. When lapis lazuli is crushed into a fine powder and used as paint, it's called by a new name, ultramarine. Besides the first cave paintings, we see ultramarine used in China and India starting in the 10th and 11th centuries. But the most famous uses of this rare and expensive color come from the Renaissance era. It was the most expensive blue pigment and was considered to symbolize holiness and humility. So it was used a lot for robes for like the Virgin Mary or Jesus. 15th century Italian painter Sieno Sieni wrote in his painter's handbook, quote, ultramarine blue is a gorgeous, lovely, and absolutely perfect pigment beyond all pigments, end quote. Ultramarine was considered the most 
difficult pigment to grind. And there's all sorts of documentation of artists comparing notes and experimenting to try and get the highest quality blue for their work. There are many beautiful examples of paintings featuring ultramarine, but the most recognizable one I thought I could mention, since I can't actually show you a photo with my voice, is the famous painting Girl with a Pearl Earring. You know her vivid blue head wrap? That's ultramarine paint from Lapis Lazuli. In 1826, a synthetic version of the ultramarine pigment was created, which greatly reduced the rarity and value of natural lapis for artists. I understand the economics of the need to create a synthetic ultramarine, but it still makes me a little wistful to look back through history and see lapis sort of fall, I suppose. I feel like I can't commit to saying, Oh, lapis lazuli fell from grace. That seems so harsh. But for hundreds of years, lapis was so prized that an ounce of high quality lapis lazuli cost about the same as an ounce of gold. I mean, it was held in high esteem by royalty. Queen Catherine the Great of Russia notably decorated an entire room in her palace, all in lapis, including the walls, fireplaces, doors, and a huge mirror frame. Nowadays, in our modern world, lapis lazuli is considered a semi-precious gemstone. Here's a point of comparison. In 2020, an ounce of premium grade lapis can cost about $160. An ounce of gold is about $1,700. But while the price tag has fluctuated, the beauty of lapis holds steady and true, and it is frequently uh, featured in jewelry. A quick browse of the internet yields beaded bracelets from David Yurman, dangling earrings from Anna Beck, pendants from John Hardy and Kendra Scott, and cufflinks from Gucci, all featuring lapis. And if you feel like a bit of a lapis splurge, Rolex offers solid lapis dials on several of their watches, such as the Datejust, Daytona, and Submariner. Submariner? Submariner. That shows how often I shop for Rolex. <laughs> Lapis lends a unique aspect of individualization to a piece because with its gold, silver, and white flecks and streaks, no two slices of stone are the same. For its reasonable wholesale price point and versatility for carving and shaping, Lapis is also a much loved and used stone for indie designers. I did a search on Etsy, my favorite app on my phone, for just simply lapis lazuli, and it turned up over 178,000 results. Now, that quantity might be in part to the success of synthetic lapis and straight-up faked lapis. In 1974, a man named Pierre Gilson Sr. of France revealed that he had actually created processes for three lab-grown gems, opal, turquoise, and lapis lazuli. His opal recipe is the most famous due to the high quality of the stones he grows for about 18 months, layer by layer in his laboratory. However, Gilson lapis stones are really considered as imitation 
or simulant rather than exact clones because Gilson's creation has some differing ingredients and physical properties from natural lapis, even though it looks very similar. Though for most consumers, buying a piece of jewelry for the bright blue color, it can pass as real. The straight up fakes of lapis happen because everybody wants the dark, rich, velvety blue color. So there is a high incentive to get that color. Sometimes someone takes a piece of like poorly colored lapis and dyes it darker or sometimes more affordable stones like howlite or jasper are dyed blue to pass as lapis. But one of the easiest ways to test if a lapis is dyed is to wipe it gently with a cloth or a paper towel with a little bit of acetone or alcohol. If it's dyed, the dye will rub off the stone. But unless you're testing your lapis, you really don't want to put it in contact with chemicals. Lapis is a porous stone meaning it has tiny, tiny open spaces within the stone. Other porous gemstones are like pearl, opal, or amber. They need to be treated with a lot more care than like a diamond or a ruby. The Mohs scale is a scale to mark how hard a gemstone is, with a diamond at a 10 and a soft pearl at a 2.5. Lapis lazuli is about a 5.5, right in the middle, meaning it's perfectly safe in like a pair of earrings or a necklace, but it needs some tenderness when it's in a ring or a bracelet. One nice quality of lapis is that even when it gets worn down or dull, it lends itself easily to being repolished and rejuvenated. Other little fun facts, lapis is not a traditional birthstone. It's not assigned to any particular month, so I guess it's open for anyone. Anyone can claim it. Um, Though it is associated with the zodiac sign for Sagittarius, I really didn't know that zodiac signs have gemstones assigned to them. I may have to dive a little deeper into that topic one day. One of the largest gem quality specimens of lapis is right here in the United States in the Smithsonian National Gem Collection. It's a freeform piece of lapis weighing over 165 pounds, and it's called the Blue Flame because it kind of looks like a cartoon blue flame rising off of its pedestal. It was donated to the museum in 2015, and now anyone can go see it and just marvel at the scale of the celestial silver and gold swirls frozen in the deep blue rock. I think if you asked someone, name a blue gemstone, which I did, I did a poll on Instagram. I said, name a blue gemstone. And it took a lot of replies before someone commented, um, lapis something with a question mark. But the overwhelming answer was sapphire. And that's accurate and expected, although sapphires do in fact come vibrantly in every single color of the rainbow and a couple extra hues too, sapphires are without a doubt the king of blue. And if you press someone, come on, what's another blue gem? Maybe they'll mention turquoise, topaz, maybe diamond. I got aquamarine as an answer. It, I had to go pretty far down the list probing before someone mentioned lapis lazuli. And I cannot abide that. 
more people need to know about this gemstone. When I first set out to write a feature on Lapis, I was more thinking about the history aspect and its unique appearance, but as I put together this episode, I realized I more just wanted to get the word out. Hey, look at this amazing stone. Did you know it existed? So tell your friends, share this episode, maybe start shopping around for your own beautiful something blue for no special occasion at all except to treat yourself consider bringing some lapis lazuli into your life. That's all for this episode of Tea and Gemstones. I hope you had fun hearing me hype up lapis lazuli, the beautiful ancient blue gemstone you might not have known about before today. Head over to Tea and Gemstones on Instagram and leave a comment on the show's grid post to let me know what you liked or didn't like. I can take it, I promise about this week's episode, or I guess anything. Feel free to message me. Tell me if you have an idea for a future episode. Check out our show notes for a link to our website. All the transcripts for every episode are there, as well as the bibliography. Our theme song is by Joseph McDade with additional music by Audio Audi. And I, Jen, have been your enthusiastic host. All right, everyone. Until next time, stay sparkly.